Ready to go? Born ready. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, good morning, Julie. And good evening, Bonnie, Skyping in from London. We are here on Sidekickback Radio, and thanks so much for joining me. How you doing? Good. You good? You good? Bonnie, you good? Really good. Yes, very good. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, we are here because you guys uh, produced a movie called Last Days in the Desert, which opens today on May 13th. Uh, and I mean, first of all, I mean, you guys had your premiere last night, so it must have been pretty exciting, right? Bonnie, was it exciting <laughs> for you? Was it exciting for you, Bonnie, the premiere last night? <laughs> Seeing pictures of you at it was. <laughs> I don't think there were any pictures of me. I tried to stay out of that as much as possible. <laughs> you, uh, you try and avoid the limelight a little bit? They, and... they want you and, and yeah. Rodrigo and Ayala. And then there were a couple movie stars that came. Orlando Bloom was there and James Marsden. It was really a very low-key thing that wasn't really a premiere. Mm -hmm. It was just sort of a special screening and Q&A. We're, you know, a very minimalistic art film, so there was no fancy premiere, to be honest. I gotcha. Yeah, totally. Um, so it seems like that's kind of the MO, if you will, of Mockingbird Pictures. That is kind of the moniker you guys work under. You do create these very amazing films that are, are quite modest and, you know, they don't exactly, you know, it's not so grandiose, you know? I mean, is that accurate or? I think that's really accurate. Bonnie, what do you have to say from our $65 million film set? Well, that's <laughs> coming <laughs> up. We're getting there. Well, all I was thinking was uh, Andrew would know he's been in one of our not so grandiose uh, films, although he was quite grandiose in it. <laughs> he was. He was kind of a little bit mm. of a bad guy. A little bit, a little bit. I guess, um, I guess grandiose, not grandiose is the wrong way to categorize no, it. No, you're you right. We, you, you're a hundred percent right. Yeah. Our way of being has been to try and find the most artistically interesting script that we can, people it with the most interesting people that we can, and make it in a way where the budget matches the product mm -hmm. and not try and, you know, we haven't made a superhero movie yet. Yeah. That's for sure true. Yeah, I think that's what I was getting at. But you guys are, like, Bonnie, you're in London because you said you're in pre-production on, on a pretty big budget movie. We are. But um, it's a first for me, not for Bonnie. Bonnie comes from Spielberg land. She's done a lot of them. Yeah. I guess that is a kind of one of my questions for you guys is how did you get your start? And I guess, Bonnie, you, you uh, started working with Steven Spielberg. Is that correct? Yes. Well, I did a year and a half uh, in physical production at, the, at Walt Disney, at the Disney Studios. And then I got a job in... 1990 as Steven Spielberg's assistant and I spent the next 15 years of my life with him and it was great and I learned a lot and and you know Julie referenced that I worked on big studio movies before but this one uh that Julie and I are doing for Skydance um is is really feels like the first time because I um I feel like I'm spending a lot of time in hindsight going, oh, so that's what we were doing. <laughs> <laughs> so but I'm kind of starting to catch up to it in, in real time. In, in a weird way, I feel like I was sort of going to school when I worked with Steven and that since Julie and I have been working together, I've actually learned the practicalities, uh, physicalities of actually making the movie. So it's an interesting combination to bring to a project. Awesome. And, and Julie, I believe you came out of the University of Virginia. I do come out Their of... Their film department, is that correct? No, or? they don't really have a film department per se. Mm -hmm. I studied foreign affairs and drama. Huh. And then I went to law school. Wow. You I didn't know, know that. I didn't know this. Yeah, then I went to law school <laughs> and I practiced law at a non-profit 
for a couple of years. Okay. So, no, I had no film education whatsoever other than loving movies. Yeah. And then one day you decided to... Move to LA and get into movies. Because yeah. I love movies. <laughs> and I think... Well, I think what happened is I decided to make what I love what I do. So it was either go to Washington, D.C. and get into politics and work my way up to being somebody great's chief of staff or move to L.A. and try and get into movies. And I think I really wanted to do something in the confluence of art and meaning. And my excitement about politics, which I'm totally obsessed by, but it also waxes and wanes depending on who I find exciting, right? Mm -hmm. And and whether I think that there's space in the atmosphere to make a difference in the world. Whereas it seemed to me at the time that millions and millions of people go to see the movies. So if it's possible to say something through art, that that could maybe be really effective. So when you look at the movies that we have coming out and in post-production right now, I feel like, and maybe this is ludicrous, but I feel like we'll be able to shift people's ways of thinking more than if I were a cog in the political machine. You know, we have a movie coming out tomorrow that is a movie unlike anybody's ever made about Jesus. Whether that's good or bad, I don't know, but there are no comps for it. Nobody's really done it before in terms of that it's an art house film with the guy that's won the last, the Oscar the last three years in a row filming it, Mm -hmm. Chiva Lubezki, and a director who we adore, Rodrigo Garcia, who wrote and directed it, and Ewan McGregor starring but it is neither offensive nor obsequious, right? It's an art house film, which happens to be about fathers and sons, and it happens to be about the father and the <laughs> son, right? And then in post, we have the movie that you are in, Sweet mm-hmm. Life, which is about two people who meet in Chicago, they're depressives, and they make a pact to drive to San Francisco and throw themselves off the Golden Gate Bridge. Only they fall in love along the way and figure out that there's a lot of reasons to live in this world that we live in, Right. And then our other movies in post, one is about a man having Brian Cranston Mm -hmm. married to the beautiful Jennifer Garner, a younger wife who he's fighting with and who has probably the midlife crisis to end all midlife crises and in so doing falls back in love with his wife, Mm -hmm. right? And he says, one of the great lines of the movie is he says, I didn't leave her, I left myself, right? Well, hello, welcome to the 21st century and all the distractions that we have. And then the last movie we have in post right now is uh, To the Bone, which is a movie about anorexia, for lack of a... I mean, that's what it is. It's a movie about a young woman who is dealing with many things in her life, but foremost among them is anorexia, which is a a subject that hasn't really been talked about in in a particularly artistic or invigorating or inspiring way. So we're going there. And then we're in prep on this big, giant... What looks on prima facie surface, like a big, giant movie... With an alien in a spacecraft, in the space station, sorry, the International Space Station. But it's really about hubris. It's about our 21st century belief that we are masters of our universe and how that's not true, right? You pick up a little creature, you think it's going to be fine, you choose to try to master it, and that's a really bad idea. We are not as in charge of our lives as we think we are. So if you kind of look at the landscape of things... Um, I don't know if we will succeed. We may fail miserably. We've certainly made movies that nobody has gone to see. But we're at least attempting to have the movies be about something and create a conversation. And so that's why I moved to L.A. Wow, that was as long-winded an explanation as I've ever given. For that. <laughs> no, you know what? No, it wasn't. Yeah, no, it was all great, though. 
So, I mean, it's it sounds like to me that when every pro- a project you approach, there's this necessity, this need for the story to be told. Um, well, and- by somebody. <laughs> I don't know if anybody wants to watch it, but somebody has no, a desire to tell it. No, but from you guys, as producers, in terms of developing it, there's this, you, you find this need for the story to be told. You know, I would love to say that that's true. And I, 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 yes, on, you're, you're right. On one level, that is true. But some of it is just, these are the people we love, the directors mm-hmm. that we love that bring it to us. I mean, I tried to not make good humor for about five years, um, which then became the sweet life. You tried to not make it. I tried to not make it for many, many years. I kept saying to Rob, I'm not going to make it. And he just kept saying, you have to produce it. So finally I said, okay, well then you and Jared, who's the writer better come over and we're going to break the whole script apart and put it back together. And then Mm -hmm. we worked for another, you know, it was probably four years he was trying to get me to do it. And then we worked for another three years Mm -hmm. on the script, on casting, on putting together the the money before we, before we made it. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we choose the movie. Sometimes the movies choose us because it's filmmakers that we love and that we're never going to really say no to. Yeah. Um, I know that the the title producer it gets thrown around a lot and everything and and everybody has their own kind of explanation as to what it is and and what you do it's kind of a wide reaching term I mean do you want to weigh in on the subject on on what you guys do as producers Bonnie would you like to take that What do we do <laughs> um, Yeah I mean it is a it is a term that a lot of people are vague on and I think of it um I think of it in several different ways. Uh, It is a management position. It is, you know, finding a story that you feel should be told or needs to be told, like you guys were talking about, and then putting the talent around it that you feel not only will service the story to the best of its ability, but people that will also work well together. Um, You know, we're, I think we're as much matchmakers as managers Hmm. and, um, And then, you know, you're supposed to understand money. (laughs) But, you know, as Julie will tell you, my nickname is Spindy Wendy. So, um, but she tries. You try to help me, right, Julie? I try. Yeah. No, but it's also, it's, um, I think Julie and I share this, I was actually about to use the word wonder, so I just will. But it's, we share a um, love of putting people together to create art. And we always have these moments frequently on a set where we look at each other and go, we're getting to make a movie. (laughs) So when, um, you know, I I went through a scenario over here today where people start to bitch and moan, you know, because, Oh gee, you know, we got to figure out how to cut half a million or something. Well, when you're dealing with, the opposite of um, that, which is no, actually we're getting 65 million, you know, like I can't really mm-hmm. look at the negative side of that. So, um, you know, we get to do something that we love to do and um, occasionally get paid for it. <laughs> <laughs> very occasionally. <laughs> well, it's very been very funny cause we've been on different time zones. And so Bonnie wakes up to all these emails of me which we, we just see each, see, see each other and everything. So mm-hmm. we know, cause we want to, it's more fun for us when we're in on all of it yeah. together. Right. So she wakes up to these CCs on the movies that I'm with back here, which are basically in order a $3 million movie, a $1.5 million movie, a three and a half million dollar movie. And what was a 3.75 movie, but is now a 3.25 movie. Right. <laughs> so, 
Um, and, and that has its own set of difficulties, right? Which is trying to squash a lot of art into a very small box. And then I wake up to her emails, which are like, well, we've got to cut 1.5 million from the budget. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, if you gave me that 1.5 million, I could make a movie with that. Right. You so three, you could make three movies with that. Dude. I have, I have done, have done that. Uh, so it's, it, it, what it shows you, I think probably is the range of producing, right? Mm-hmm. In a way, in one way, in the financial way. Then mm-hmm. there's a whole another range, which is some producers are just deal makers. Some producers are just on set producers. Uh, some producers just look for material. And I think what's fun for me and Bonnie to do together is to be the first on and the last off. For mm-hmm. us, it is about inception through execution through presentation. We really like We like to be the first people on and the last people off. We love the whole enchilada. Is that fair to say, Bon? (laughs) Absolutely. For sure. I I definitely am as addicted to the marketing and publicity uh, chapter for film as I am to the actual making of it. And I actually, I have to admit, I like prep uh, better than shooting. I enjoy the puzzle of prep and, and planning something and seeing if you can pull it off and making choices that end up creating a better movie. Um, and, uh, and Julie really likes shooting. She loves shooting and we'll just sit at the monitor and give the director, you know, comments. And I am usually back at base camp, you know, dealing with what's going to happen the next day. And, um, and then I'll watch dailies and it's nice to not be expected to do the part that I don't enjoy. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Bonnie also handles the EPK, which is the, our first movie. Mm-hmm. Is one of our it's one of our favorite stories when we were just learning each other our first movie together, which is where we fell in love. Well, professional, professional love. I was going to ask, how did you guys meet? Love. Like, how did well, you? Well, we we up? met long before that, which we'll t- we'll tell you that. But in our yeah. first movie, it was very funny. We're in um, early days, and we're Bonnie said to me, uh, "So listen, I have some ideas for the press conference and the EPK, which is the electronic press kit." are you okay if I just kind of dive into that? Now we never talk about who does what. We just do it. Like we literally never talk about who does what, unless it's something very, very specific that that needs a division of labor. Uh, She's like, are you okay if I just dive into that? And I was like, are you kidding me? I would rather open my veins and eat my own blood than do the two things you just mentioned. I think you couldn't believe that someone had actually said those words. I was like, What? And uh, and then she said, great, I will do that. You go back to set where you seem to know everybody's names. <laughs> do you remember that? Oh, do I remember that? What happened to the Danny Zuko I met at the beach? <laughs> Andrew's yeah, too young to know that reference. Was, um, I, that's just a nice, that's what makes a partnership. You know, we really didn't have anything to do with it. It just kind of happened to us, you mm. know, and it was, it was very clear and obvious and comfortable and organic and um I had tried partnerships Julie had two and um and you know there's just you don't want it to make more work for you and this made less and um and, and I think we each were better at, I mean I know I feel that way I can't speak for my partner but actually I can <laughs> <laughs> um we're better with each other and we you know it's been an interesting experience these last few months being separate because uh Julie called me, I don't know, like two months ago, and all she did was say, a hundred percent less fun, and like, hang up. <laughs> so I'm like, you know what? That's 
100% correct. So. Well, and Bonnie said this really funny thing to me, which I cannot tell you how much it reverberated. And Andrew, if we're just riffing with each other, you have to stop us. I, but, yeah, we'll stop. But, I, I will <laughs> not dare to. We're like a comedy, a bad comedy, not very funny team. But uh, we had a very, you know, difficult things happen when you're producing, right? Because a lot of people depend on you and you're there are a lot of moving parts. I mean, difficult in a very first world way, mm-hmm. not in a mm-hmm. life yeah. threatening way. <laughs> But we were having, there were some particularly difficult things going on a couple of weeks ago. And Bonnie called me up and she said, you know, it would all be fine if I was there. And at first I was like, what do you mean? Like, I can't handle it. Only you can handle it. But then like 10, literally 10 seconds later, I was like, oh, right. It, she was right. A hundred percent. The circumstances wouldn't be different. Yeah. The circumstances would be exactly the same. And the approach to them would be probably mostly the same although tempered by the fact that we're different people and we have we bring different strengths to it but just the fact that she if she were with me it would not be emotionally affecting me in the way that it was emotionally affecting me because when it's the two of us together it's kind of like that's it we're safe i was we were in the middle of albert knobs and we were at a particularly crucial moment on the fundraising and we were already in dublin and it was like and it was a weird movie because you know you're eight hours later like i am now from LA, but we had investors in New York and investors in Texas and investors in LA. And it was like, we never slept. So we were up at like two in the morning. And I do, I honestly think we were the only two people alive on planet earth (laughs) (laughs) awake and alive. And I, I was being, I was just being a jerk. I was in a really tired (laughs) fatigue, like, and I was just making sarcastic comments. And Julie was like, you better watch yourself. I'm the only friend you have in the world. (laughs) <laughs> and that was early that was early in our that was our first movie together it yeah, was just yeah. perfect right from the start uh-huh and your first movie <laughs> together um but you, you were you mentioned you met way before then we so had. at what point did you realize that your you guys clearly have a very unique and special relationship when <laughs> special did you realize <laughs> <laughs> when did you realize that that was kind of uh, i guess your what you were looking for in terms of you know, moving forward as a producer. You well, know? there's that moment we just talked about with the, I want to do the APK. Hey, you want to read more scripts? But I think it happened. That was just like the crescendo, like, oh, here yeah. we go. But I think it happened sitting in that office um, in Dublin, Julie. The, I mean, there's so many memories in Ireland because we also had these trailers that had no electricity. So we'd have like one... <laughs> The generator would bust or whatever. We we figure out how to plug in one lamp on the floor, and it was just you know, and, and we didn't complain. But for a few months, we sat in this office um, outside of the city prepping the movie, and we were just in the same office all the time. And Glenn and Rodrigo would actually come and sit in the office with us, in the middle of us. Rodrigo Garcia, who's our director, and Glenn Close, who was the star of the movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. thank you. And they. And they were just, I just want to sit here. I just need to be in the middle of this. So I just, I remember just being like, oh, thank God she's dealing with that. Like I would hear her, first of all, Julie knew how to make an independent film and I didn't. I'd done it once very uh, stressfully, uh, anxiety ridden. Like it, 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 it did literally drive me to drink. <laughs> 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 but, um, 
but Julie had done it and, and learned it. And I, so I was able to watch her just snap into action. And I really learned a lot. And I, and I also learned, uh, that I could do it too. Like it was a, it was a, um, it was that sort of real time learning, which I have to do. I'm not really good at reading a book and figuring it out, but I, I really, um, was like, Oh, well, I could, I know how, I could do that. I didn't know that's how you did it. So it was a real, um, education in the nuts and bolts of it because my experience, you know, Steven Spielberg reads a script and wants to make it into a movie. And that's pretty much your prep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's no finding money. There's no, now I, you know, I learned a lot of uh, things in hindsight, but there's so many of the challenges of piecing together these independent films. Just, it just doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't exist. I mean, the one we're involved in right now is somewhat of a hybrid, which is one of the reasons the company that hired Julia and me hired us, because we we come in our partnership, we represent both sides of that, um, of that Indian studio experience. So that's what makes this one sort of unique and fun. So get over here, Julie. <laughs> You'll be going there soon, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so in, spe- in speaking about this hybrid, I mean, you guys have have worked on all different sorts of films over the, you know, you guys are very seasoned and you've been doing this for, for a good amount of time. Like, That's you know what you're doing. That's his way of saying we're old, Bonnie. We're old. Yeah, you old, caught me. Old, yeah, old. you're old. You guys are so old. No, you guys have, you're, you know what you're doing. How has the landscape for you changed over the last few years with digital media and everything? And, and you just mentioned you're kind of doing a movie now that's a hybrid of, of Indian studio. I mean, I'd imagine that's been quite a change for you guys over the last, you know, few years. Well, the budget, the budget amounts that Julie just listed are a result of digital media. You know, we, we had to lower and lower and lower our budgets because the foreign sales market and theatrical film business and the art house film business, it just wasn't substantiating the budget level that we've been able to do on Albert Knobs and able to do on face of love and five to seven. So, um, we had to bring our business model, you know, the, the level of our budgets down to match that challenge. It's been a really rough few years. But, I mean, if you look at that, it, the, the fact that we've done that really does prove we love what we do. Yeah. <laughs> right, Julie? Yep. <laughs> and so this one, gosh, it was interesting hearing you talk that way, Andrew, because I kind of am really glad I'm 50. I'm glad I've had the experience I've had. I'm glad that, yes, every day is challenging, but I'm glad that I can sleep at night. And I'm glad that I, you know, encounter a couple things a day instead of 25 that I have to pause and go run around and get advice on. Because after you've worked on as many films as Julie and I have, you literally have, oh, well, let's just do what we did on that occasion. Or let's do, let's do what we did when the hurricane hit, you know. Let's do what we did when we were trying to, you know, shoot on a certain location. I mean, Julie and I get excited when somebody tells us that they, they don't film there, you know, when no one's ever filmed here. Well, that's, that's like opening the door for Julie and me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, then how do we? Somebody recently said to me, oh, you and Bonnie are making a movie in space. How did you get the International Space Station to let you off? (laughs) They just assumed after getting on the Golden Gate Bridge and into the rain room and with the Impressionists and the Old Masters at LACMA that we had just gotten permission to actually film in space. (laughs) So when's when's your shuttle launch? Like. 
I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, but we did. You know, it's interesting because you you do learn um, that it's it really is about relationships and people. Because, like, for example, on this current film, we um, we wanted to give some sort of reality to it in this space movie, and so we contacted NASA. Um, and just really, you know, it's an alien space movie and some bad things happen. And, um, and, and NASA's like, oh, you know, we're not, we don't really want to be officially associated with your film. Yeah, but what could we do? What could we do? And so a lot of people, at least from my, what I've witnessed in my life, that's the phone, that's the last phone call. Oh, okay. Well, we tried. Some people don't even make that phone call. But then if you think, okay, now wait a minute, I know for a fact that people have done this and you start researching, you realize, oh yeah, there's a NASA logo in that movie. What did they do? And you call up NASA and they say, oh, well, they created a fictitious logo. Here's our three logos, create one. So we have, we're going to have NASA all over our stuff, which is completely going to make the movie like, I'd say 17% better. <laughs> That's a significant percentage. Yeah, like it is. if I could lose this, you know. <laughs> but then you go like, okay, that's the one we got. Everything else, just make it up. Make up the badges on their clothes, make up everything. But man, we've got NASA and NASA's on board and they approved our logo and it's exciting and everybody's like it, it's a it's a nice little jolt for a film. And we um you know, a lot of like in our five to seven movie, which Julie, I was still telling somebody that story the other night. Five to seven really is one of our deepest, you know, product placement clearance, you know, not taking no for an answer accomplishments. Because I mean, we got the guy that wrote it, Vic Levin, very talented writer, director, previous guest um, of the podcast, previous yeah, guest yes. of Andrew Farmer's podcast. <laughs> yes. There you go. Probably funnier than Julie and me. Way funnier. Uh, no, he, no. um, he was like, you know, you don't write a movie. I love how I'm just totally bragging about myself. <laughs> Bonnie, you are amazing. You are amazing, Bonnie. He wrote a script with the St. Regis Hotel and the New Yorker Magazine and Edward Hopper Paintings and the National Public Library and a VIP dinner with, you know, Julian Bond and the head of the Philharmonic and Daniel Balud and all these <laughs> things. And we were just like, okay. And we just did it. And I, I was listing it to these people I'm working with in London and they were like, you did what? <laughs> you had, the New Yorker, you went and like, you know, stalked the editor of the New Yorker yeah. and they did a fictitious cover for you? Yeah, yeah and he's in the movie. Yeah. yeah, and he's in the movie. It's true. <laughs> well, I talked about it with Vic um, in his episode that it really came down to letter writing is, is what you guys said at the screening that I saw. It's yeah. like, you just write letters. Heartfelt pleases in, in, a, in the form of a letter and, and people respond to that. It's well, very old fashioned, but it works. Yeah. yeah. People also, I think, respond to pers persistence and passion. And that's one of the wonderful things about the movies Julie and I have made is over this last decade is you're actually doing something that's going to better art or humanity or some social cause or, or, you know, that's made the cell a lot easier, you mm -hmm. know, like in this. Um, Sweet Life movie, Andrew, that you were in, you know, we're promoting life and we're trying to, to help people get out of dark places in their lives. That's a pretty wonderful thing to go to a location like the Golden Gate Bridge and say, this is a life affirming film. Here's what we're doing. Here's what these people do. You're not saying, 
you know, we're going to blow things up and 75 people are going to die. And, you know, the just the messages are so good. I would, I just wish so much that Hollywood could figure out a way for the movies we make to also pay for a salary for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, well, so far they haven't because that's the thing that goes right. Because mm-hmm. you've got everybody, everybody else, but us is unionized and has minimums. Right. And then you have, you want to put as much as you can on the screen in terms of location fees and set dressing and costumes and all that. So the only thing ultimately that you can give back to the movie is the producer fee, mm-hmm. uh, which is probably leading us to London for the summer. <laughs> I guess. I mean, well, your persistence, you mentioned persistence and I guess there is a persistence in the movies that you make and you keep making them. And I mean, look, you, you, you guys are working on a, on a very large budget movie for the summer. So would you say it's paying off in, in, you mentioned persistence in letter writing, but in persistence in movie making, Maybe it's well, and then also just knowing that it's kind of a miracle if the movie ever gets made. So you kind of can't say no if it comes together. Mm-hmm. And and also wondering, Julie and I talk about it all the time. I mean, with last days coming out today, you know, you you wonder like, is this the one that's going to take off? Is this the one everybody's going to go see? You know, we we talk about it all the time. And it's such a roller coaster ride. You know, you have great, like a great review comes out in the New York Times. And then you hear that they had to move into bigger theaters in these cities. And then a bad something comes in. And then a good, you know. At, in my years working with Spielberg, he um, he would never read reviews. And I remember we had, I think it was for Saving Private Ryan. It was literally one of the greatest most favorable, smart, wonderful reviews I'd ever read in my life. And I went in, I was like, I know you don't read reviews. You have to read this review. It's exactly right. And he wouldn't do it. And he said, see, the problem is if I believe that I have to believe the bad ones. So I don't know if he snuck home and actually read them. Oh, maybe he did, but that's for him, not me. Uh But I am, but I, he's got a really great point, you know, and it, and it enables you to be a little more brave in what you do and have a point of view and not really worry about what other people think necessarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, Therein is my lesson today. <laughs> Thanks, Peter Bonnie. Thank you. You guys have worked with so many great actors. You guys have gotten an amazing amount of talent into your movies. Um, I asked this of my previous guest, uh, Janelle Riley of Variety, who has interviewed a lot of the same actors, but would you say there's a a common thread between the actors that you guys cast? Well, I mean, what I'm thinking about in in hearing you talk about it, first of all, I'm going through my head of all of the actors (laughs) and I love actors. Um, my favorite kind of actor is comes from theater. Um, because they are so, uh, passionate First of all, they'll work for scale in a movie. <laughs> <laughs> I am in a funny mood. Um, but they also, uh, they're not doing it for money is, is the more serious way to say that point. It's, um, they love their craft and they take it very seriously. And when you watch someone like Annette Benning or uh, Ed Harris or the late Robin Williams or Glenn Close or Ray Fiennes, you, know, you see people like that do what they do, to me, that's like the best. And Julie will tell you, uh, there are certain scenes in a movie that I will be front and center at the monitor for. And those, see, I I wait for them. 
I just wait for them. And those are the scenes that are like theater, the scenes that are four or five pages long where you're going to really get to just luxuriate in one of our greatest treasures, like doing their thing. And I just, I love it. I love it so much. Um, Julie had worked with Annette Benning a, a couple of times. I, I worked with her for the first time on Face of Love, and she was amazing to watch because she would almost, you know, rev up during each take. You know, it was, and I, I couldn't, they all work so differently. It's just a fascinating uh, process to watch. Hmm. One, of, one of my favorite moments, uh, our dear friend and, and now collaborator, Marty Noxon, who we're working with her on her movie To the Bone, she came and shadowed Rodrigo a couple times early on when uh, when she, because she really comes from writing. Mm-hmm. And as she was moving into directing, she came and visited a few of my sets. Um, and this was actually before I was partnered with Bonnie, although that seems like that's impossible now. <laughs> but uh, one of my one of my great days that I remember was Marty with me watching just the, the camera rehearsal before Annette Benning and Cherry Jones did a scene together for Mother and Child. And they're both incredible stage actors, which is interesting that Bonnie brought that up, right? I mean, Cherry is literally like... Uh, Nobody better. I mean, they're treasures, both of them. And I remember, it was just the camera rehearsal so that the the, the first AC could put down the tape mm-hmm. and could see where everybody's standing so they could then put the stand-ins in and work on focus and all that. And half a dozen members of the crew have tears streaming down their face. And Marty just turned to me and she's like, it's an act off. Like, <laughs> and not in that they were overdoing it. They were, it was just like two thoroughbreds in the starting gate and like, and everybody's hair was standing up on end because they were clearly enjoying each other so much, enjoying the task at hand so much, in no way phoning it in, even at the the marking rehearsal, they were just there and present. And I, I, Bonnie really hit the nail on the head. I think the thing that ties all of them together, the beauty of our movies is that nobody is there for the wrong reason. Everybody's only there for the right reason. And often it's because they're getting to do work that they don't get a chance to do in the studio system. I'll never forget uh, going to Sam Jackson for Mother and Child because even our casting director was like, really, we're going to try Sam Jackson? And I'm like, yeah. And we had we had talked about other actors who had said, well, if I get a producer credit or if you pay me more or whatever. And the very next morning, the next morning, Sam Jackson's manager, Eli Selden, who's great, called me and said, Sam's in. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and she said, yeah, he, you're not asking him to hold a gun or a snake. <laughs> On a plane, <laughs> and he's gonna play an erudite, loving, smart, beautiful lover of Naomi Watts. Yeah, he's in. And uh, I thought, oh right. What's the? I, so I think the common thread is that we are having an experience that is not a common experience, and certainly no longer in the studio films or very rarely in the studio films do you kind of now have to make a choice, right? Mm. You're either going to get paid or you're going to have an incredibly fulfilling artistic experience. Mm. And then there are exceptions that prove the rule. You know, every year there are a few great studio dramas or great studio comedies where, where that, that, that are the exceptions that prove the rule. But in general, 
our, the actors that come to us are bound by a common desire with us to make art and to have that experience as a human. So, and they are all bound by that, whether it's Ian McGregor or Glenn Close or Annette or Sam or Naomi, mm-hmm. and they've all been fierce and fabulous, really in- incredible people to work mm-hmm. with. For sure. Yeah. So Ewan's performance in Last Days is, in my, I guess, lightly informed opinion, phenomenal. I, I think it's really great. And, and you were there at the Sundance premiere. I was there premiere. at the Sundance premiere, yeah, over yeah. over a year ago. Yeah. Um, but it, it really is something something to behold, and, and it was very inspiring as an actor to watch it. Um, you guys have had several, have worked on several films that have been nominated for Oscars, etc. At what point does that become a part of the equation when you produce a movie? Does someone watch it and say, you should consider that or... You know, do you guys think you have something that's worth pushing? Or? We, we do. And I, I would like to speak specifically to, to Ewan's performance because I do think it's an extraordinary performance. He plays two roles. He plays Yeshua mm-hmm. and the demon. Mm-hmm. And the difference between the two is startling and wonderful and an incredible acting achievement. Not to mention the fact that he's a great guy and came to set every day incredibly prepared, incredibly professional and gave it everything he had. But I do think it's an awards-worthy performance. And I think when we get to that moment of saying, that's what we think we have, I think a lot of it is Bonnie and I looking each other in the eyes and saying either, yep, or (laughs) nope on this one. But then we don't, we can only control it to a point, Mm -hmm. right? And we've seen that a few times with, when we've had performances in a movie where we've been lucky enough to be around actors who have really taken it, what we feel is to the next level. But unless the distributor says, we are going to support that, we're going to promote it, we're going to spend money on that, it will never happen. Mm-hmm. Because there's too much noise and too many movies and um, too much bifurcation of everybody's attention. So I do believe Ewan is incredibly deserving of that kind of attention. I think it's an incredible performance. And now part of our job for Bonnie and me is uh, to have Broadgreen, who are great distributors. We love them. They've been great to work with. And I think they love the movie, obviously, or they wouldn't have picked it up, uh, is to really see if we can focus them on on helping us to bring that to fruition. Mm -hmm. Certainly the reviews from the New York Times and the Washington Post and the Village Voice and NPR and everything that's come in this week would support that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we're still a small fish in a big ocean. Uh, And whether they're they're willing to uh, ride with the whales... (laughs) <laughs> we'll have to see. Yeah. But so it so it comes from essentially an agreement between the producers and the distributors. I guess more, more technically speaking, at what point does a Oscar nomination start to come to fruition? You're saying it's an agreement between... I think it, it happens a million different ways. Yeah, it happens yeah. a million different ways. And it, it happens in stages too. Mm-hmm. Like the first stage is, how are the reviews? Yeah. Because even if a performance is great In a movie that's not well-received, that becomes very difficult. You can triumph over that sometimes. I think Meryl Streep in Iron Lady is an example of that. You know, a very fine, respected actress in a movie that was not well-received. But, you know, you have to start with you want reviews that support it. You you need critical acclaim to support it because that's the ballast that that helps the boat float, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, And then, then it happens in a million different ways. You need an actor who wants to support the film. Luckily, we have... You know, Ewan loves the movie. He loved the experience of making the movie and he loves the movie the way it came out. He talked last night about how 
the movie that he had always hoped it would be from reading it the very first time is the movie that's on screen. So he's incredibly supportive of the film. So we have reviews now. We have an actor who's incredibly supportive of the film. And then the distributor, which is fair, very, very fair. And they're a very fine distributor. And with very, you know, Adam's team that leads publicity is very strong. They have to look at the landscape. You know, what are the other movies that are out this mm-hmm. fall? Which studios are behind them? Which actors are going to be rising on yeah. that tide? Um, and how do we fit into that landscape? Uh, and, and see what happens in there. Go see yeah. our movie. Go see our movie. Go see our movie. Go see our movie. <laughs> yeah. I have, I have to jump because they're waiting for me outside. No worries. But is that okay, Andrew? Yeah, I was going to wrap it up after, after this point. So it's good timing. Are you going to say something really brilliant? I hope so. I hope so, too. Will you tell me what he says? You know, I think I was until you mentioned that I was going to say something brilliant. (laughs) I, I, of course, I'm going to call you as soon as I get in the car. Okay. (laughs) No, but thank you. Thank you so much, Bonnie. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have fun in London. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Yes. So I think I was just only going to ask, like, um, it's uh, open today, May 13th in Friday the 13th. Friday the 13th in, in San Francisco. Uh, Bethesda, Maryland, mm-hmm. Portland, uh, New York, Los Angeles, Chicago, Austin, and Atlanta. All right. Well, here we go. Here we go. Uh, I guess the best of luck to you. And, and Thank you. I loved the movie when I saw it a year and a half ago. Still love it. Can't wait to see it again. And uh, yeah, thanks so much for taking the time out of your busy, busy schedule. Thank you for having us. Of course. I guess let's take it over to sign off. Sidekick Back Radio. Watch Great. Hope you feel feel good after. Is that okay? <laughs>